is Micah Tatum, one of your Peds in a Podcast contributors, and a pediatrician hopeful going into my fourth year of medical school this cycle. I'm here today with Dr. Joseph Snyder. He's a board-certified pediatrician specializing in neonatal care at Parkland Memorial Hospital and Children's Medical Center here in Dallas, Texas. And today we'll be discussing the topic of infants of the diabetic mother, along with its management and complications. So with that, I'll hand the mic off to you, Dr. Schneider. Well, thank you, Micah. The, uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to do this. Um, Micah said that I'm in neonatal care. I'm actually a general pediatrician who focuses on what's called the normal uh, newborn baby. But in fact, um, mm-hmm. uh, as many of you know, um, the, uh, many ba- of these babies are actually anything but normal. And one of the um, problems that we're going to talk about uh, today is the issues that come up with infants of diabetic mothers. Um, they're actually far more complex than uh, you might expect. Um, I tell uh, one of the things that I do with the uh, our residents and students is I'll um, uh, I'll go around and ask them to name complications. Usually at about six or seven, um, they're beginning to struggle, and um, the answer is there's e- easily thirty of them. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about a little bit about introduction of the of the topic. A little overview. We'll talk about complications. A little bit about management. Um, and before we leave, um, I'm an informaticist in addition to being a pediatrician. So I'll I'll just say a quick word about um, informatics that that won't help you pass the boards, um, but it might be useful for you later in your life. Sounds so great. With that, let's get started. Here's a typical case. Um, you're asked to see a, a 38-week um, gestational age newborn baby girl who was born to a 30-year-old mom. Um, she's gravita to para one, um, and uh, she's got gestational. She's been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Um, the nursing staff is concerned um, about persistent hypoglycemia in the baby um, with two glucoses less than 40, and the second was after feeding. So the, you know, the issue here is we have uh, a perfectly normal baby, but she's got glucose um, management problems. 40 is the uh, cutoff um, that we use for the first three hours. After that, it's 47. And certainly after you fed, um, your glucose should be well above 40. Um, so this is a child that may be headed to the NICU at some point. Uh, let's look at a little background about infant uh, infants of diabetic mothers. Um, today, about 10% of uh, pregnant women have some sort of um, diabetes. Um, 80 to 90% of that's gestational, um, which um, means the, the glucose intolerance that's first occurring during pregnancy at around 24 to 28 weeks. And the other 10 to 20% have pre-existing diabetes. Of those, about 35% have um, uh, what you might call the juvenile form or type 1, and, and 65% have, uh, have type 2. Um, so if a little focus on uh, the gestational diabetes, um, uh, moms with gestational diabetes. There's some risk factors um, for a woman developing gestational diabetes. First of all, is a family history of type 2 diabetes. The... It, uh, and, then secondly, if mom is uh, pre-diabetic, if she's overweight, with it, say with a BMI of greater than 25, polycystic ovarian syndrome is, is yet another risk factor. If she was previously uh, uh, gestational diabetic in, a, in another pregnancy or had a macrosomic infant, um, that's yet another risk factor. 
And then finally, certain ethnicities um, are more prone to it, African-American, American Indian, Asian-American, Hispanic, um, and Pacific Islander um, American. So we're going to talk a little bit about risks at, or testing right now. So there's some a couple of important guidelines to know for screening and diagnosis. So in the first and second trimester, up to the first 24 weeks, pregestational diabetes and gestational diabetes is confirmed um, with two independent fasting blood glucose measurements um, of greater than 126 milligrams per deciliter. And then the second one uh, being 92 to 125 milligrams per deciliter. Both of those are um, elevated in adults. In the third trimester, the period of 24 to 28 weeks, the Preventative Services Task Force guidelines um, have us testing uh, with the oral glucose tolerance test, and it's recommended for all pregnancies. And if you have a one-hour glucose um, of over 135 or a three-hour glucose um, over 140 after um, drinking 50 and 100 grams of glucose each time, then that's confirmation uh, diagnostic of gestational diabetes. So these are tests that are um, done during the pregnancy to ascertain uh, diabetes. The impact on the infant really has to do with the um, timing. The, the, the amount of morbidity and mortality has to do with the timing of the diabetes. So if the diabetes is pregestational, meaning um, present during the first trimester or really during the period of formations, uh, formation, th that's where you get um, congenital malformations that are with uncontrolled maternal uh, hyperglycemia. And then in, the, um, in gestational diabetes, classically after 20 weeks, after all the development has taken place, you're going to get growth and electrolyte uh, abnormalities. And we're going to cover these um, in more detail in, in just a second. The other thing about this is if there's pregestational diabetes, you're going to get more symmetrical types of changes like cardiac dysfunctions. Um, specifically, uh, total anomalous pulmonary venous return is a, is a good example. And you'll get uh, congenital malformations like anencephaly or spina bifida. And for gestational diabetes, um, a little bit more symmet uh, asymmetrical in, in that it impacts just a particular area. So you're going to post-term pregnancies um, might be more common, macrosomia, um, intrauterine growth right retardation, and shoulder dystocia. And, and certainly with both pre and gestational diabetes, you get hypo, hypoglycemia, hypocalcemia, um, which we'll talk about later um, the, in more detail. Um, surfactant deficiency and polycythemia um, are common. Now, with, with all of these things, the, um, if you read an article, um, my favorite is up to date um, about uh, um, the infant of a diabetic mother, you're going to get a big, long list of complications. And, and if, if there's one thing that's hard for medical students, residents, and um, attendings to do, it's memorized lots of lists that don't seem to have any organizations, organization to them. And so what I've done, or what I try to do with the infant of a diabetic mother, is I divide their, um, div I divide their the pregnancy into really three parts. The first is zero to 16 weeks. Um, the second is 16 to, call it birth, 40 weeks. Um, 
And then the uh, and then there's a category that I use after that called other that um, captures things after birth um, or other things that don't quite fit nicely into the structure. So three categories depending upon the um, you know depending upon the weeks. And then the middle category, um, this is the uh, 16 to 40 weeks, um, I split into structural issues and metabolic issues. And so I'm going to, this sort of framework um, allows me to kind of focus on things. And I'm going to give you an example of many of the um, complications of an infant of a diabetic mother broken down into this structure. So in Genetic, um, the we've got when it comes to the brain, again, start from the top, move to the bottom. Anencephaly is a 13 times normal incidence. Holoprosencephaly is another one that can be known in infants and diabetic mothers. You can have heart defects, um, VSDs, trans, uh, transposition of the great arteries, renal defects, hydronephosis, renal agenesis, utero duplication, GI, duodenal or anorectal um, atresia, small f colon syndrome, and then um, the um, famous caudal uh, dysplasia or sacral agenesis, caudal dysplasia, sacral agenesis, um, and spina bifida, spina bifida being 20 times more common in infants of mothers who are um, more uncontrolled. So that all of those that I just listed are in um, have a formation within or start to um, be formed in the first 16 weeks. Now we're um, going to go into the um, into the meta- metabolic side of things. So we all know about hypoglycemia with uh, jitteriness, irritability, apathy, uh, or lethargy, poor feeding, high pitched, um, weak cry, hypotonia, seizures. But less common, um, you can get things like hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, low iron, polycythemia, um, hyperbilirubinemia um, from the breakdown of the excess red blood cells, respiratory distress, surfactant deficiency, thrombocytopenia, and probably the list goes on. Um, So those are metabolic things that are happening to the infant of a diabetic mother. And then structurally, um, we've got macrosomia, um, increased risk of C-section, fractured clavicles, brachial plexus injuries. Um, Also, they can get um, the the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, um, which comes about from the deposition of increased glycogen in the septum. And then finally, the other uh, category, the increased risk of stillbirth, death, miscarriage, uh, prematurity, Mild neurologic deficits. Um, sometimes these um, babies have trouble, uh, significant trouble feeding, and future obesity, um, and maybe future intelligence impacts. So that's a framework. Remember, genetic um, at for the first to sixteen. Think about the genetic issues. In essence, glucose uh, and in, in insulin um, are causing teratogenic effects. Um, the, and then structural and metabolic um, for the middle period, and then finally other at the end. And I hope that helps. For those uh, malformations in the genetic um, uh, phase, um, there's actually a number of different hypotheses as, uh, about how these come about. I'll run through them, um, but I will only comment on a few. First is that in infants of a diabetic mothers, um, there's an increased um, oxidative stress that actually is a decreased ability to handle oxygen radicals. Um, that causes an increase of protein kinase C and leads to apoptosis, um, 
Uh, and of course, if something um, dies that's not supposed to, that can be a problem. There's decrease uh, catalase um, activity. And then the, the easiest one for me to think about is the increased, um, it's called increased non-enzymatic glycosylation of embryonic proteins. And the parallel that I use here um, is hemoglobin A1C, where if you have a hemoglobin uh, molecule and you've got excess glucose, that glucose is going to attach to the hemoglobin molecule. Now, it, it sort of warps the hemoglobin a little bit, but it still works. But imagine if you're the, um, you know, an embryonic protein that's supposed to split, you know, help split the legs apart so that you don't get sirenomelia um, and along comes a glucose. Well, um, if, you, if it binds to that protein, then it may not work. And that might, that's one of the theorized mechanisms as to how these things occur. There are others, um, deficiencies of arachidonic uh, um, acid and inhibition of cellular uh, uptake of the hydroascorbic acid um, and abnormal levels of trace um, metals. I don't think those are all important, that important for the boards, knowing that they exist, um, because in the coming years, we'll get a better handle on why this occurs. So I, I am going to run through a couple of um, um, the complications. One is uh, sacral agenesis, um, and you can have uh, actually fusion of the lower limbs with a uh, mermaid-like appearance. Um, it, uh, it's not always fatal. There is a famous story of uh, a, a little girl who um, had this, um, and she was able to get around uh, actually with, with a special bicycle. Um, anencephaly, it is a, something that does happen with um, infants of diabetic mothers. Usually there's only um, um, brainstem function with limited survival because the exposure of the brain to the amniotic fluid um, is, is toxic to it. So in terms of uh, complication, moving on from the genetic things to um, the um, complications of size, we mentioned uh, at risk of C-section, um, brachial plexus, um, shoulder dystocia. Um, and importantly, uh, being large for gestational age can occur despite uh, maternal eugysemia. If mother's under good control, you still can have large babies. It's not really completely understood um, about this. Um, babies do tend to run slightly higher glucose, fetuses rather, um, do tend to run slightly higher glucoses um, than uh, mother. And uh, we're still learning about that. There is um, the what's called Peterson's hypothesis, which is um, the you get um, fetal beta cell hyperplasia, um, which, um, and which causes the growth factor portion of insulin to cause um, these babies to be large. The, uh, it's one of the contributors. So uh, the other thing, though, is that babies, the infants of diabetic mothers, um, can be uh, small. The, they can be, uh, have intrauterine growth retardation. Um, usually you'll see this with pre-existing diabetes, where it's up to um, um, up to 20% of those moms um, have poor placental blood flow. And if mom has um, the maternal diabetic nephropathy, um, hypertension, or anything, um, a, a uterine vascular lesion, those are going to contribute to a much smaller baby. Moving on to some of the metabolic things, um, hypoglycemia, it may be apparent within hours. It has all the signs and symptoms of, um, of a 
of a sick baby um, in terms of sepsis, like lethargy, apnea, tachypnea, um, hypothermia, um, the cyanosis, jitteriness, seizures, irritability, poor feeding. Um, and uh, what happens is the baby has been cut off from the maternal um, uh, glucose, glucose supply, um, but those, but the baby's um, beta cells are still producing insulin um, at a higher level to be able to handle it. And so one of the things that, that this hyperinsulinemia can contribute to hypoglycemia. But if you remember red blood cells, um, their favorite food is um, uh, glucose. And so these babies are always so polycythemic. So they're chewing up uh, glucose um, as a result of that. Um, so upwards of 20, 25 um, to 50% have some degree of complication. Um, now, the next thing up um, is, uh, and obviously, by the way, the treatment for that is um, replace their glucose, um, preferably through feeds, if, if at all possible. So another complication is hypocalcemia. And I want to remind everybody that the total calcium is not a good predictor. You want to use ionized calcium. This usually appears at around 24 to 36 hours. You'll get many of the same sorts of signs and symptoms that you get with um, uh, hypoglycemia or actually with, a, um, with an infected baby. And that would include lethargy, apnea, tachypnea. The, these babies will be uh, much more jittery um, and, uh, and may in fact have seizures. It's, it's not 100% clear what the um, um, cause of this is. It um, could be failure of um, parathyroid hormone or an increase in calcitonin. So now with hypomagnesemia, uh, yet another complication. Um, and these, uh, this calcium and magnesium are cousins, as you recall, in the periodic table. Um, and so hypomagnesemia will show up um, more often with um, moms of the low maternal age, prematurity, and decreased um, uh, maternal levels of magnesium or um, calcium or increased levels of phosphorus. If you remember, the parathyroid hormone, um, which is uh, necessary to increase your calcium levels, actually uh, is, um, it, there's a magnesium cofactor um, that re is required there. Um, so hypomagnesemia causes hypocalcemia due, due to increasing, inducing parathyroid hormone resistance and reducing its secretion. And even when you put the uh, magnesium back, there's a lag between the restoration of the parathyroid hormone and the correction of the hypocalcemia. You cannot um, fix the hypoglycemia um, without fixing the hypomagnesemia first. Moving on the, uh, to polycythemia, here um, there's a number of uh, um, different factors. Um, certainly if there's uterine hypoxia, um, uh, placental insufficiency, for example, the, that uh, um, will increase, stimulate the development of red blood cells. The other thing is that insulin or hypoglycemia actually um, triggers an increase in erythropoietin, which of course triggers the growth of red blood cells. The signs and symptoms of this are um, pretty much the exact same list as the, all the others. I, I won't read them. Um, probably the one difference is these babies are going to appear um, redder or with a ruddy appearance, but many of the other symptoms are, are effectively the same um, nonspecific things that you would see in a sick baby or um, a hypoglycemic baby. 
So certainly the concern here is thrombosis and organ uh, ischemia. That's the biggest concern. If you reach a certain point, then these um, babies will receive partial exchange transfusions. And then, of course, the um, the longer-term effect of this is you have to be very concerned about hyperbilirubinemia because all of these red blood cells um, break down. Another comp- metabolic complication, iron deficiency. Um, so uh, 65% um, the uh, babies, of, um, infants of diabetic mothers have um, abnormalities of iron metabolism at birth. Um, um, this is uh, iron is important for neurodevelopment, appropriate neurodevelopmental um, uh, milestones. This particularly the issue of iron deficiency. It's it's relatively easy to understand um, if we think about the fact that we you know these babies have many more red blood cells. Um, so the iron is uh, bound up in the red blood cells instead of where it should be. Now, um, these babies, infants of diabetic mothers, um, they classically um, are at much higher risk for respiratory distress. And there's a complex number of things going on here. Um, First, there's an increased risk of C-sections. One of the things that happens before birth, um, several days before birth, is there's actually a complex process that starts to clear the amniotic fluid out of the lung. Well, if you uh, if you come out vaginally, then that process works normally. If you come out by C-section, then you're coming out quicker, um, and as a result, um, the you're going to have more fluid in your lungs. So, up to forty percent of these babies um, may have um, transient tachypnea of the newborn, far more common in C-sections than others. The other thing that's complicating this um, is that in, in, insulin interferes with surfactant substrate availability. At the timing of the synthesis of it and, um, and other factors. And it also inhibits the cortisol surge um, prior to birth that normally stimulates um, lung maturation. The, um, now, all of these things are usually minimal in term uh, infants of diabetic mothers that, um, with well-managed glucoses. The one other thing, though, um, about infants and diabetic mothers is they're big, and they've got to move a chest wall that's bigger than the um, average baby. And so we had a case the other day of an over 12-pound baby um, that uh, um, really had trouble breathing. Part of it um, is it's just too, um, it's, it's very, very hard to, uh, to move that chest wall. Cardiomyopathy um, also occurs in these babies. I was mentioning that the um, this is where Septal hypertrophy occurs, and so um, in essence, there's fetal insulin receptors um, in the heart, and so there's increased myocardial myocardial synthesis of protein, glycogen, and fat. In essence, the septum becomes a storage place for glycogen. The you can create these babies can create an outflow tract obstruction. A a very old study found that it was actually there in about 30% of babies. From a practical standpoint, it's it's one in about 10,000 that have this sort of problem. It's certainly, if you're in the ER and one of these children come in, it certainly, it looks like sepsis when in fact it's heart failure. Okay, so Managing your hypoglycemia, we touched briefly on this. Um, the cutoff levels, we use 40 and 47. Other organizations use different levels. There is an AAP guideline on this, The and uh, there are lots of studies ongoing. You want to get the baby to the breast as fast as you possibly can. Hopefully, they are breastfeeding. 
and uh, if not, um, then um, obviously we would formula feed. If they are, they run into trouble, in other words, their glucose is falling despite breastfeeding, a number of sites these days are using, in essence, glucose-based rather than going to formula because it, what they really need is glucose. They don't need all the liquid of the formula. And then the, the one thing I did want to mention here is these moms may have, a, will have a rough time of it because their baby is getting poked for blood levels. The, they probably, they met, many of them had a dream of breastfeeding going smoothly and folks are either giving their baby glucagon or um, formula or donor breast milk if it's available. But the most important thing is getting the glucose back up. For hyper, hypocalcemia, um, you want to start t, t, uh, TPN or feeds as soon as possible. And uh, the um, different organizations use different things. Um, the, in terms of treatment for, uh, for symptoms, the, um, one of our organizations used calcium gluconate or uh, calcium chloride, the over 15 minutes with mo- monitoring. The, and, and again, if they're hypomagnesemic, you want to give um, uh, magnesium sulfate the over, over a two-hour two period to try to replete the, them with their, uh, of the magnesium. So, and then polycythes, um, the institution where I'm at, if we, uh, if the child has a um, central hematocrit of greater than 70, we'll, uh, we will do a partial exchange. If it's over 65 and they're symptomatic, we will do a, uh, we'll do that partial exchange. These babies uh, typically get up to the 65 to 70 range and they, they cause quite a bit of consternation as trying to decide what to do because a partial exchange is, is not totally benign. All right, so we've taken you through the uh, sort of a quick flyby of the infant of a diabetic mother. Very, very, very complex baby. In fact, I've told people that if you know about the infant of a diabetic mother and all the pathophysiology and what to do, then you will get an excellent understanding of babies in the, in the neonatal period. So with that, I think we're done. And uh, thank you for giving us this talk, Dr. Schneider. You're very welcome, and I deeply appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you all. Go out and uh, be the best clinicians that you can possibly be, but then don't forget, we all need to stand up and help change this world. Thanks a lot.